All right, so um, some of you enjoyed my last uh, field trip out to uh, Denver a couple of months back and um, had another opportunity. Um, you know, Delta is and the other airlines are trying to get everybody back, and I just was listening to um, one of my uh, favorite podcasts, the guys over at Airline Pilot Guy, and um, with all of these uh, incidents with these unruly passengers, um, to pseudo-quote them, um, they are ready for the business travelers to get back and the people that like to act right on the planes. Um, folks, um, just, you know, either it's a combination of the news media uh, doing what they do with clickbait or um, or either people have just always been acting this way. I, I'm not sure, but uh, regardless, um, you know, um, <laughs> Here we are, and um, you know, uh, the folks are you know uh, getting back into the uh, air for sure. Um, it all started with an email from Delta. Um, I guess it was about a month ago. I have to look back at the exact date. Um, with an encouragement for folks to um, go to Alaska of all places. So if you were following the news or, um, or travel buff like myself, um, Alaska was one of the leaders, ironically, with the COVID vaccine. Um, I don't know the exact numbers up there, but um, most of the residents up in Alaska have been vaccinated. I think they lead um, or in the top, you know, of all the 50 states. And one of the other things this summer, uh, I think there have been a couple of false starts, but there looks like there will be a summer cruise season up in Alaska. So there is a, um, there's a Jones Act that has been longstanding here in the U.S., and the, uh, the Biden administration actually waived that for Alaska this summer. Um, now, the Jones Act for the cruise industry means that if a foreign-flagged cruise ship, which most all of the cruise ships out there are, uh, leaves from a U.S. port, they must visit a non-U.S. port before returning back to that original U.S. port. So that's why here in the U.S., if you ever leave from, let's say, Seattle and go north up to you know, cruise in Alaska, they have to make a stop in Canada. Well, Canada right now, and this is being recorded in um, mid-late June 2021, Canada is still pretty much on lockdown. They're making progress, but the, um, the government is more cautious up there right now, and they are not allowing you know, any, really any tourism. If you were to visit Canada, I looked the other day, uh, you do have to quarantine. And so that makes that you know, Jones Act provision right now kind of, um, you know, it, you know, it, it's not really going to work for folks to make that stop. Um, you know, in Canada on the way up to Alaska for the cruise season. So what the Biden administration did is they are waiving that provision in the Jones Act so that the cruise ships can leave, for example, from Seattle, go straight up to Alaska for like a seven-day cruise and come right back down to Seattle. Now, I have to see what the latest is because those cruises should be leaving at any time now because, again, this is being recorded mid to late June. But I have been seeing some news reports out there that um, some of these cruises have been delayed yet again. Um, there have been some uh, positive um, coronavirus you know, tests coming back, and the cruise lines are being super sensitive to you know, how they're going to deal with that. But nevertheless, uh, the airlines, um, I think, are actually getting 
back to normal. And one of the encouragements here, you know, was from Delta, for example, was to get folks back in the air. And they listed out a really amazing deal. For example, round trip Atlanta to several destinations in Alaska, um, starting at 10,000 sky miles round trip. Um, the equipment, so 10,000 sky miles, if you're not familiar with what the translation is, that's worth about $100 round trip. That is an amazing deal. <laughs> you know, if, if you're looking at traveling again, you know, $100 round trip Atlanta all the way up to Alaska and back. So um, one of the uh, travel groups that I'm a part of, uh, myself and some others here, we decided to um, you know, take advantage of that. And I ended up booking the trip uh, this past weekend for uh, Father's Day, um, uh, Jan, uh, June 19th through the 20th. And so I wanted to put this together. Um, I did uh, some live, uh, air quotes, tweeting, but I actually put them on Instagram this time. Instagram is better for uh, pictures and video. Um, they are a little more friendly to that type of post. So that's where I did my live air quotes tweeting for the trip this weekend. And so what I wanted to do was, you know, follow that up with this uh, comprehensive, um, you know, uh, audio podcast about my trip up north. So here we go. OAN, Fox News, and Newsmax. That's who we're up against, folks. I was tired of pitching real news stories to reporters who responded and told me, Robert, that's not news. So introducing Georgia-born-based Peach News Now in our podcast, Goddamn Liberals. We're already 3,000 followers plus strong when you count all of our social media accounts, and our goal is to double that within at least a few months. How? We've got to hire paid staff for business ad sales and market our content widely. Reached out to others, look at volunteer efforts to date, but that hasn't really worked out. And if you're willing to help us in other ways, we'd love to hear from you. But we're going to use some mediums like Upwork and Craigslist to recruit some others and see if we can get this off the ground. Staying nimble below the radar without adding a lot of overhead will only help our vision be successful. We can't wait to show you what's next and getting COVID behind us here. Thanks for your support. So all this started, actually I had a original booking, um, and this goes back to a couple of uh, prior episodes and explanations. That 10,000 miles round trip was in basic economy. The next um, mileage up from that, as I recall, was 12,000 miles round trip. And I did have a booking with that. But there was something a little more appealing because I think that may have only had one stopover and, um, you know, glutton for punishment and me being my antsy self. I ended up rebooking into um, six flights in about um, a matter of, I think, 26 hours. I did the math in one of these posts here. Um, so... The, the trip went from Atlanta to Salt Lake City to Seattle to Fairbanks, Alaska to Minneapolis to Detroit to Atlanta, um, leaving on Saturday morning and getting back Sunday afternoon. And it ends up being about 30 hours um, across um, uh, five time zones um, is how this trip ended up working out. Um, 
But then I noticed on one of the um, trips or one of the legs, um, I, you know, because with being a medallion and one of the reasons that I, um, you know, booked this crazy trip, um, Delta, as encouraging, you know, to their frequent flyers and in, to encourage folks to get back into the air, traditionally a mileage ticket book with SkyMiles is not eligible for what they call MQMs. So an MQM is a medallion qualifying mile. And there are t- tiers, so 25,000, 50,000, 75,000 and up for silver, gold, medall- um, you know, platinum medallion status each year. And so what Delta has done, because we're all recovering from COVID, they're giving you a bonus MQM boost this year. Because most everybody, you know, after March of last year, didn't hardly travel at all. Um, you know, Delta extended everybody's platinum or, you know, medallion status a year. And then this year, because everybody is still getting back into the swing of things, um, for the rest of this year, they're giving everyone bonus NQMs um, to encourage you to get back into the air and to, um, you know, get back to the normal swing of things. So that was also encouraging with this trip um, and to also increase the chances that, um, you know, I would get upgrades um, because that 12,000 miles, you know, sky miles there round trip, that was just in coach. But as a medallion member and something that Delta had changed about a year or two ago is that trips booked with award sky miles are also now eligible for upgrades into Comfort Plus and to First Class. Not everybody and his brother is rushing to go to Fairbanks, Alaska. So that is good news for me. And um, all of the legs... Um, uh, ended up clearing into first class. I did end up using um, what they call a uh, medallion upgrade, regional upgrade certificate. I ended up um, burning that one for the return from Fairbanks back to Atlanta. And that one also cleared as soon as I um, requested it. Sometimes they don't because sometimes Delta you know, will hide those first class seats and they prefer to try to sell them. Uh, before the flight leaves, but I'm, you know, leading into Saturday morning, all of the seats um, had cleared into first class, fortunately for me. But then I was looking at the schedules as I do, because I'm ADD like that and, you know, aviation geek. And I noticed that one of uh, Delta's uh, new Airbus 220s um, was uh, on a valid connection. So when I got back from Fairbanks to Minneapolis, instead of going from Minneapolis to Detroit to Atlanta, um, even though that Detroit to Atlanta leg had already cleared on one of the Airbus 330s, which would have been actually a pretty nice ride, um, I would had been wanting to ride on the new Airbus 220. Now, the Airbus 220 um, had, has an interesting story. Um, you might recall years ago that the Trump administration uh, was trying to use their uh, powers to control uh, tariffs. And at the time, Bombardier, who is a French-Canadian uh, conglomerate that makes uh, Bombardier uh, aircraft, uh, was wanting to sell this um, Bombardier um, you know, regional jet uh, to the likes of Delta and others, but the tariffs that would have been levied on that airplane to import it just simply across the border from Canada to the U.S. Um, actually would have raised the cost and made it non 
excuse me, non-competitive to the likes of Boeing. So what did Airbus do? Even though Airbus is traditionally based over in Europe, um, uh, Bombardier and Airbus got together and said, okay, well, you make this many parts, you make this many parts, and we're going to rebrand this plane and call it an Airbus 220. But for all intents and purposes, the A220 is really a Bombardier plane. Um, if you really go back and look at all the details. But it's a kind of a unique aircraft. Um, if you look at the regional jets out there, um, Delta decided to purchase them. Um, they fly them on their main line. So the, um, the, uh, the pilots union, the, the flight attendants union, uh, well, excuse me, Delta doesn't have a flight attendants union, but they, their main line actually flies the A220. They do not give it to their regional airlines to fly. Um, so it's a little bit unique in that aspect, um, you know, similar to what they do with the um, um, the predecessor to the Mad Dog 88, uh, now the Boeing 717. So it's along that same line class of aircraft, and it's brand new because these, uh, you know, Delta acquired these within the past year, and they've been able to, um, you know, divest much to the uh, unliking of some friends the whole mad dog you know 88 and 90 fleet um, that was sped up because of covid and those old planes are out in the desert now uh, you know guzzlers so it took me a couple of attempts um you know delta is struggling right now to hire um you know some folks back um and you know hindsight's always 2020 with this kind of stuff um thankfully you know covid is uh, getting behind us and, you know, we're able to comfortably make, you know, these trips like this. Um, you know, masks are still required, but, um, you know, uh, the vaccine is doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, people are not dying, you know, from COVID right now. Um, you know, we are worried about, you know, the flare-ups that we're seeing here and there. Um, you know, parts of the world are, you know, still having issues. But for most intensive purposes, COVID is behind us here in the U.S., and um, as a side effect of that, Delta and the travel companies, they are suffering. I mean, there are news stories out there that some folks trying to reach the airlines, it's taking six, seven, eight hours sometimes for, um, you know, folks to reach, you know, someone in reservations on the telephone to talk about their reservations or some kind of issue that they're having. So it did take me a couple of attempts uh, to make that change. Instead of going through Detroit, um, I wanted to hop on that A220 uh, through LaGuardia and then LaGuardia back to Atlanta. Um, finally, um, it ended up being the uh, gentleman in the uh, Salt Lake City um, uh, Sky Club where I had about a three-hour layover on Saturday. Um, they have a really nice area right up on the, the escalators at the top where you can actually sit down. It's a nice cushy seat. Um, the agent is there with you. Um, let's say, for example, you are in, in distress that your flight is canceled or whatever. Um, they have a really cool area that you just sit down, relax, and the agent can help you with whatever travel issues you might be having. And, um, of course, it was some weird discussions. He had to write down my reservation. He said, what exactly are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm you know, headed up to Fairbanks you know, for an hour. And he said, you must be doing a mileage run. I said, yes. He says, well, we normally see these at the end of the year. And I said, well, yeah, the, you guys put out the, uh, the email a, a, a month or two ago. He says, well, I got to call into the uh, resolution desk. So he called in, explained the situation. And, um, you know, the, these changes that the airlines do, they're not always um, 
you know, they, they don't always propagate through everyone. The, the agent on the other end said, well, he's not going to get any miles for this trip. I said, no, actually, you guys did announce this year that, you know, because of COVID, um, the awards trips, you know, you are getting MQMs for this. And so, um, <laughs> um, the, the one uh, drawback to the change is um, I did actually get, at the time, the last first-class seat on the A220 from Minneapolis to LaGuardia, um, but I had to wait list on that last leg from LaGuardia back to Atlanta. So I, I lost that upgrade, um, but I did get uh, bumped up into uh, Comfort Plus, which was fine. It was just about an hour-and-a-half, two-hour flight. Um, and it ended up being okay because there were, um, okay, um, families, I know it was Father's Day, and I know you want to travel for the summer, but if you have the means to purchase your family and your kids uh, for first class, just don't do it. Nobody else in first class wants to hear screaming children in first class, um, and that is your public service announcement from a lot of people out there. And so actually, in hindsight, it was probably good that I didn't get upgraded because there was a screaming child up there in row one that kept getting passed back and forth from mom to dad. Nobody likes that crappy experience. So, um, yeah, we'll leave that at that. But the um, the Airbus uh, 220, and I was um, you know chatting back and forth with uh, a friend over the whole trip. Um, he reminded me, and I had written into my friends over at Airline Pilot Guy about this, and I had forgotten about it until I didn't have a chance to go back and check. But the lavatory on the A220, um, I think the window has been plugged up. So when the A220 was um, you know, put into service, it was unique that the Ford lavatory had a window. <laughs> so you could be doing your business and potentially looking out the window. And or if you were on the ground, you may be giving a show if you were in said lavatory doing your business. But I think that issue has been corrected. I didn't specifically look for it, and I'll try to look for the related article on this. But I think that the window on the A220 and the Ford Lavatory has been plugged up. But I'll have to double check on that. Okay, so the um, the trip actually went well. There was only a, a minor delay. So the, the 737 um, that I was picking up in Salt Lake to go to Seattle um, was actually ended up being the same exact 737-900 that ended up going on up to Fairbanks. But coming in from JFK, I'm not sure if it was weather-related or what exactly delayed it, it ended up not being a big deal, but we were a little bit delayed leaving Salt Lake up to Seattle and then up to Fairbanks, but they were able to make up that time in the air. Um, I was upgraded the whole, whole way, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, so that ended up being just fine. Um, there are some, uh, actually a little bit of rewind here too, um, the Airbus... 330 that I took from Atlanta to Salt Lake. Um, nice upgrade. That's an international plane, so you have the lie-flat herringbone seats up front. Um, it's a really nice trip, and it did leave from Atlanta's F concourse. Um, so that's one of the nicer, more spread-out concourses, and I was able to uh, make a stop at the um, club at uh, F um, out on the F concourse in Atlanta. Pretty busy um, Saturday morning. There were a lot of folks out there traveling. However, you'll see pictures that the concourse itself out on F, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, it's hard to find help right now. And um, they have not fully reopened Concourse F 
out at the Atlanta airport yet. So it's still kind of uh, desolate. And you'll see some pictures here from that concourse as we were um, preparing to, you know, take off. But um, otherwise, you know, um, pretty decent service. Um, some of you that have followed me, um, we've got um, a story on how you can gain access to the uh, airline clubs. You don't necessarily have to pay full price. And so I'll put a link in the uh, show notes on how to um, get on, on that. It does involve cryptocurrency. Not everybody is fully uh, comfortable with that. But if you have any questions, reach out. I can uh, you know, answer how to do that. Um, the other thing that I was looking for... Another uh, documentary that uh, was on the plane was uh, Jimmy Carter, the Rock and Roll President. Um, that was a nice little surprise. Some of you may... Um, know that um, my alma mater down in South Georgia, in Americus, Georgia, is uh, Georgia Southwestern State University, um, which uh, has ties to Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. Uh, we're just right down the road in Plains, Georgia, is where they still live. And so the university you know, um, still uh, draws ties to both uh, Jimmy and Rosalind. Um, I actually uh, went to a funeral for one of the past presidents who was um, a uh, kind of a remote, you know, friend of the family. And um, Jimmy and Rosalind actually came to the funeral, you know, with the Secret Service detail and all that. So it's a really cool connection to have, you know, to South Georgia. And then, of course, I was scrolling through the uh, documentaries on the plane, and here we are, this uh, really cool documentary, Jimmy Carter, the Rock and Roll President. Um, I did not realize that he actually had all of those really neat connections um, with the likes of, you know, Garth Brooks, uh, Niles Rogers, jazz musicians, Dizzy Gillespie, um, Aretha Franklin, the Allman Brothers, the Marshall Tucker Band. So um, it, the documentary, we watched it last night uh, again because um, it's so cool, um, is on HBO Max if you want to uh, give it a shot and was a really cool uh, documentary to take a look at. Also included some pictures, um, you know, with some uh, food items from those um, uh, uh, lounge visits from both uh, Atlanta and Salt Lake City. Um, the the club out in Salt Lake City um, is really cool as well. It's it's new. I think it's less than a year old. I have to look at the date or about a year old. And they have a really uh, they have two nice buffet locations: um, hot food, uh, sandwiches, salads, desserts. Um, really nice bar. Um, the bartenders also at Salt Lake City, I would say he is, um, I remember the one guy, I think I've seen him there several times. He is a true professional bartender. I mean, he can make pretty much anything you want him to make. Um, and I, um, there was a, one item, it was on the menu. It was, I believe, a peanut butter um, Manhattan or peanut butter old-fashioned. Um, but they, the, the menu item was made with Woodford, um, which actually is not included with the um, you know, uh, complimentary items. That would have been $12. I asked him if he would make it with the complimentary Old Forester. He said, uh, no, sorry, I can't do that for you. Um, so I passed that one up. But it did. Um, may have to try that recipe out and see if I can get a couple of uh, smaller you know, uh, peanut butters. I do enjoy peanut butter. Um, and see uh, if I can make that myself. That was an interesting item. Um, in the past, uh, if you ever go through a Sky Club, I'm not sure if it's still in the menu, they had a um, recipe, it's called a hub and spoke, which was another um, kind of pun on a uh, old-fashioned. Um, so uh, it's really cool to um, 
because another Scott Club I'd been through in the past was in Cincinnati, and they really, um, you know, those bartenders in the Sky Clubs, uh, they are professional. They know what they're doing. I remember the guy in Cincinnati, he actually, you know, uh, poured it over the ice, he mulled it, and, you know, the, they, those guys do a really, really good job um, in, in some of those uh, Sky Clubs, so it's really cool. On the way up to Alaska, I was able to catch a couple of really cool pictures that I'm going to use you know, across my social media accounts over time. Um, and then on the way back down from Alaska, um, the sun never set. And I actually put in the pictures here some timestamps of the uh, global clock uh, on my phone to show you, again, I was spanning five time zones on this trip. Um, so depending upon where you might have been while I was flying, but technically where I was going up and back, the sun never set the whole time. So thankfully I was able to put the sunshade down and uh, get some rest. I think I slept maybe three or four hours the whole trip. Um, but uh, every now and then I did raise that shade up and you'll see a couple of pictures and also, um, included a couple of uh, time-lapse uh, takeoff and landing pictures. Um, and you're also welcome to go out to my Instagram and, uh, you know, take a look at a couple of those. Um, the A220 um, also as well, uh, I snapped a short little video. Um, they have a pretty unique, um, apparently Rockwell Collins makes this um, uh, in-flight. Um, it's, it's more than just a map on the... Uh, the plane there, um, it's, they have what they call a command center, and it's got the direction the plane is going, it's got the altitude, it's got the speed, it's even got the pitch of the plane, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, another um, friend in the, uh, the Avkeet group made the comment that um, that is a good comparison or better option than what United used to have before, where you could listen into the live um, air traffic control discussions that were on the plane. Um, I actually kind of would rather have that because I've never flown on a plane before where I was able to listen into live ATC. Um, I didn't remember to do that on this one because thanks to T-Mobile, I did use their Wi-Fi all the way and it worked pretty well. I was even able to stream music through Spotify. Uh, through most of the trip. Um, but I actually should have actually gone to switch over to live ATC to see if I was able to hear some of the discussions between my pilot and captain and ATC, but I forgot to do that. Um, you know, so even though I had all the hours to do it, uh, I, I was still pretty busy, you know, chatting with friends and um, taking pictures and so on for uh, to prepare for this uh, podcast episode. So took those videos for you. Um, let's see what else. Oh, so also um, another uh, item, and instead of going through Detroit, I ended up landing in the new terminal at LaGuardia, um, which is a huge improvement. Um, excuse my language, LaGuardia is a shithole, folks. Um, <laughs> the, and, and it's still, I was reminded, so my plane from Minneapolis to LaGuardia landed in the new terminal, which is, again, much, much nicer. Love it. Um, but they're still working on it. Um, you, I, I then had to walk from the new terminal at LaGuardia, which has really, really cool views of the water, by the way. 
and I've got a picture in there that you can see the um, the stadium on the other side. I think that is Yankee Stadium. Sorry, I'm not a, a Yankee. I, I don't know 100%, but you can see one of the stadiums across the water there. Um, and then I took one of the ironic pictures that Delta has up in the terminal, a whole new LaGuardia, giving New Yorkers the space they deserve. Ha ha. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, appropriate, because I'm sure that uh, New Yorkers do appreciate that. Um, a couple of other experiences in hindsight. Uh, yes, I guess it was cool to be on the Airbus 220. Um, you know, mark that off my uh, my checkbox there. Um, but in hindsight, uh, LaGuardia, you still got some work to do. Um, it was nice to get back home yesterday to my hometown ATL. We, we still have a better airport here than LaGuardia. There's still more work to be done. So you walk from the new terminal at LaGuardia back to the old terminal. Um, they had a couple of restaurants open over there. I was uh, hungry because um, I didn't want to, I wasn't there long enough to really buy entrance back into the Sky Club. Um, so I ended up going to the burger place by Pat LaFrida. Um, no one was there to take your order. You had to place all of your orders on an iPad and then walk over to stand in line to pay for your order. And it took about 20 or 30 minutes just to get a burger and fries. And how much was the burger and fries? $19.50. So yeah, another reason why um, I'm reminded that um, I probably should have kept the connection through Detroit. But again, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, and of course, I survived and made it back home. So, um, I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about in this episode. It was a really cool trip. Um, I did crash yesterday when I got home and uh, napped and slept like a baby last night. Because, like I said, en route and through all the travels, I uh, only got about... Um, what was it, three to four hours of sleep? And then I did uh, put the statistics together. So just over 8,000, so 8,015 miles, six flights, 29 hours, five time zones, and I ended up touching the best West Coast and the East Coast all in a matter of two days. So I don't normally, I'm not usually that cocky, but what did you do this weekend? <laughs> So, um, hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks for everybody. I, I did get a number of likes and comments on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And um, everybody have a great week. Talk to you later.